Hello, folks. Dr. Maurice Selby here, medical director, producer, and co-host of Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast. While we strive to bring you the most up-to-date, reliable, evidence-based information to help you live the healthiest life possible, this show does not substitute for an evaluation by a trained and licensed medical professional. It is highly recommended that any advice or recommendations on medications, treatments, nutrition, fitness, preventive services, etc. be implemented under the guidance and supervision of your primary medical provider or appropriate specialist. With that said, we hope that you enjoy and learn from our program, and please be sure to let us know how we can best serve you in future shows. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Health in Harlem podcast, available everywhere that you get your podcasts. That includes Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, you name it, as well as WHCR 90.3 FM. We still stream for the community every Thursday night from 7 to 8 p.m. on 90.3 FM New York. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been a show that has been 15 years in the making we're circling back and we're bringing back one of our original guests. And to be honest, one of my dream guests for this show when I first joined with uh, Dr. Selby, we have Dr. Holden in the house and we have Dr. Morales, which was not how I envisioned it. I didn't think that we would ever have the treat to have both of you in the same interview, the same room, but I'm so happy to see you both here. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. And we have Mo in the house and... Mo, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you and Dr. Holden first met? We go way back. And um, ladies and gentlemen, I know you're probably familiar with right our sign off each and every week. As we always say, right, we would not be able to have this program without um, the work of Miss Gloria Thomas, who actually started this program. And one of the first guests that she brought on was Dr. Holden, right? And talking about mentoring in medicine, this was at the time that she was really getting mentoring and medicine off the ground. With that said, I have to thank Dr. Holden. And on behalf of, you know, hundreds, maybe even thousands of other students right now, Up, right? Upwards of 50,000. Upwards of 50,000, right? Across the nation. Yeah. Across the nation that are currently practicing in medicine as healthcare providers in this country. So uh, with that said, you know, just thank you very much, Dr. Holden, and welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here and uh, with fond memories of 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 Gloria Thomas and uh, just everything she brought, not only to pour her heart and soul into creating this uh, this uh, radio show now podcast. And I know she'd be so proud of how you, uh, Dr. Selby, carried it along and you've uh, not only carried it, but sustained it with uh, Giorgio uh, being at your side. But she certainly was um, one of the many giants in Harlem, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Muriel Petioni, That's being right, another yes. giant of Har- Harlem that um, really stressed health and uh, wanted Harlem to be a healthy community. So thank you for having me back. Yep. And Dr. Holden, 
gave us the pleasure of, of introducing us to Dr. Morales uh, when I was recently going through uh, an internship that she invited me uh, to take part in, as well as uh, 600 other students. I wasn't that special, but I, I was one of the people who received the invitation. I did feel special that day. Um, and Dr. Morales it was, was also part of the steering committee and is another one of the legends in medicine in New York. And both you and Dr. Holden uh, grew up in New York. Is that correct? Yep, I'm a, I'm a Bronx girl originally, and I live in Harlem now. I only left for a few years to go to college. Other than that, I've been a New Yorker. And when she left for college, we're talking about Harvard and Columbia people. Uh, <laughs> so some, some, some big heavy hitters. And then Dr. Holden, you're from the Bronx? No, no, I'm from Philadelphia. I'm a Philly girl. Oh, City I'm, of brotherly I'm, love and sisterly affection. And uh, graduated from from Howard uh, University and uh, went yes. to Temple Medical School and ended up doing my residency in emergency medicine at Jacoby and Montefiore and have been here ever since. But I will say that uh, I'm a deacon at Abyssinian Baptist Church. And so Harlem is, uh, in addition to having many of my role models uh, living and, um, you know, working in Harlem, uh, you know, the church is, is also a point of uh, strength where we, where we are often, you know, pre-pandemic. Hopefully soon uh, we'll yes. be back uh, worshiping with our with our church and Harlem family. God willing. And, and it, it's a beautiful church, by the way. If you haven't visited, I, I do recommend that you go visit Dr. Holden over there, uh, as well as Mr. Morrison, and make sure that that you tell them hello and uh, stop by. <laughs> so we are here today to discuss an internship that. We had that that two of the members of Health in Harlem had just finished taking part of as participants, uh, including myself. This internship is was basically poised to arm people with the right information to be able to combat misconceptions about uh, COVID-19 and getting uh, the vaccinations and which vaccine to choose. What are the side effects? Uh, what are the risks? What are the benefits that outweigh the risks significantly? Uh, really, this was a community outreach and empowerment internship uh, mm -hmm. that uh, we wanted to, to make sure that we highlighted and gave a shout out and, and uh, introduced to anyone who is interested in. Are you planning on opening any future cohorts? Yeah, we, um, we've been talking about having another cohort. We just, haven't, we just have to uh, figure out the uh, logistics. But we are going to also make available all of the materials, the lectures, the slides, and the other products of the internship, which I'm sure you're going to mention, to, to everybody. Because we, we are hoping that actually that it gets replicated. Like, and for example, maybe you all want to replicate it down in Atlanta, for example. Um, um, mm, that's a good that's idea. That, I'm down. You know, we got many, many students to be involved, but I, I think it, the model is something that can be replicated and you can borrow and adapt our materials for um, doing it for, with young people elsewhere. Absolutely. So the internship that we're, we're, we're talking about uh, is the COVID-19 STEM Community Education and Empowerment Internship. And it's a collaborative effort between six New York City medical schools Albert Einstein College of Medicine, Wild Cornell uh, Medicine, uh, Columbia University, ICANN School of Medicine at uh, Mount Sinai, NYU Grossman School of Medicine, 
NYU Langone Health, and SUNY Downstate Medical School, as well as Mentoring in Medicine Incorporated. I wanted to ask you, what was the idea behind these six schools coming together to do this? And how did it come? How did it happen? What, what was the conception of this, of this uh, model? Well, I have to say that um, we were saying earlier how uh, medicine is a very small world. And um, we, we being those who are on the steering committee um, are all colleagues and friends and we've met through um, various pipeline or pathway programs. Uh, we all run the, uh, programs uh, for underrepresented students uh, who wanna pursue health careers. And we realized that um, at the time that we thought of this, which was probably about January, February, uh, when COVID was really at its peak um, and the vaccines were available, but people were not getting the vaccines, especially uh, people in our communities. So we wanted to be able to pull our resources together, our intellectual resources, our human capital resources uh, to, to make a difference in our communities and um, picked up the phone and Dr. Morales picked up the phone and everyone raised their hand and said, I'm in. And we started meeting and, um, you know, put together this terrific uh, program. Mm -hmm. I'll let Dr. Morales uh, talk a little bit uh, more, more about it. But um, it really is a labor of love from our, for us to be able to, you know, essentially save our communities and yes. to train the trainer, mm -hmm. to train the trainer to continue it. I know Dr. Morales said that she really, we really wanted to be replicated um, not only for college students, but for high school students, for middle school students, um, you know, COVID is not gone. COVID is still here. And uh, we want to make sure that we are able to, uh, to continue the fight against COVID because it is such a deadly disease. Yeah, part of what um, happened when the vaccines came out, I started to realize that a lot people had a lot of questions and a lot of concerns. There had been a lot of focus on obviously just the, on the medical end, just like getting us through it, the, uh, the pandemic and um, on the scientific end in developing the vaccines, but the public health piece of community education mm -hmm. was not up, you know, keeping up. And part of the other um, catalyst, I think for starting the internship was that the, the New York City Department of Health uh, convened a bunch of providers of color that are involved in the community to talk about the vaccine efforts to have to, you know, try to get collaboration um, representatives from the National Medical Association, from the National Hispanic Medical Association, other people that are involved in other different organizations uh, in the city and medical centers in the city that are that were interested in these issues of that of public health and community health. And I, you know, I, I felt like we really needed to reach all the different sectors of our community. Mm -hmm. And young people, of course, have the energy, have the wisdom. Um, and so that channeling that energy, that desire to help that, so, that we know, because we work with young people in, our, in our, all these different mentoring programs that we all run, we thought that that would be a, a great way to um, to reach the community. I think the other piece um, right now is that young people are eligible for the mm -hmm. vaccines now, but there's a lot of hesitation. Um, people don't necessarily have that much confidence. 
and we thought that it would be really useful also for for our young people to learn and think about it. And our attitude was, I mean, we're not neutral. We do believe that COVID vaccination is really important, but we also feel like you can't twist people's arms. You have to give them information and yes. you have to empower them. And that's why we called it the COVID-19 STEM community education and empowerment internship, because that's what we wanted to do. Right. I just want to add also that we have to, you know, we have to respect where people are with their decision making about the vaccine, um, meet them where they are. And we have to communicate with them, you know, especially now with our our uh, 20 somethings, 30 somethings, you know, our teens who are now being coming uh, eligible for the vaccine, mm -hmm. meet them where they are. And that's on social media. And so that's why one of mm -hmm. our um, requirements with two of them, one of them to, to speak to at least uh, 10 uh, community members, family members about the vaccine, you know, have that conversation with them. Um, and, and in this internship, we, we empower the students to be able to have that conversation, whether it be, yes, I do want it. No, I don't want it. Maybe I'll get it. Um, so we do some role playing with that. But also we wanted those messages. Um, the second requirement of the internship is that the students create uh, messages about COVID-19 prevention about vaccines mm. and uh, putting out true, reliable, scientific information that they're getting from, you know, essentially thought leaders and experts locally here, even, you know, national um, speakers, we've had to come in uh, to speak to them about, about the scientific evidence of COVID-19. So they are able to take those messages to social media and meet people where they are and continue that conversation and grow that conversation. And so that's another reason why we called it the empowerment program. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the thing that that I've been fascinated by, troubled by, one part troubled by, one part fascinated by, troubled by the misinformation that's out there. Um, I mean, obviously people have the right to do what they want to do with their bodies, but it shouldn't be because somebody's lying to you. It mm -hmm. shouldn't be because of um, misinformation and literally disinformation, which means yes. they're people lying to you on purpose. Um, that just drives me crazy. It should be an informed decision-making. But then the fascinating part and the inspiring part is the enthusiasm of the young people and the creativity of the young people because the, the projects that they have come up with um, the social media, you know, the videos, the TikToks, the infographics. I mean, they are genius. I actually, I didn't tell you this, Lynn. I just today was showing some of them to somebody from the New York City Department of Health, um, that one of the deputy commissioners for communication of the New York City Department of Health. She was like, we need to use these. Can I use them? Can we, can we meet with your students? You know, they were... <laughs> Because our young people are so brilliant. I mean, yeah. they're yeah. way more brilliant than me. I would never even know how to make a TikTok. You know, so um, I just, you know, it's, that has been very cool. So one thing as far as, and, and this is something that, ladies and gentlemen, has been shown uh, in the literature, right? As far as um, the, how this information spreads, right? Um, and one thing that has been shown consistently is that it coming from the top down. So the CDC bulletins, whatever you hear from your local health departments, that is not as impactful as what Dr. Holden and Dr. Morales is doing. And Georgia, we got to throw you in there because you're in there right on the ground, actually making this happen as well um, with the other members of your cohort. 
they have shown that that is what touches people, right? These trusted uh, community members that are going out and spreading this information and literally, as you said, empowering one another, right? And so how do we, because I know you guys said you want to spread this and maybe have other institutions involved, other organizations, but how do we get it to the individual? Um, Are you doing anything to empower, right? Or just as you said, train the trainer, but um, let's say you are not or don't have access to one of these organizations locally, um, have you put out anything to sort of engage and even train those, right, that are receiving this information, giving them the confidence to go and talk about these things, right, spread these messages amongst their peers and and their community members? Right. So, um, you know, the curriculum that that we devise is is really far-reaching. It goes not only from, you know, the history of pandemics, to specifically speaking about COVID, speaking about the vaccine, speaking about you know the ripple effects of COVID in our communities, um, speaking about you know how how do we we have you know these professors and you know these these ac- ac- academics coming in and speaking about and they look like the the members of the mm-hmm. cohort that we're serving with the um, mm-hmm. with the internship, which I think is also important because. You know, I mm-hmm. noticed the National Medical Association, uh, the National Hispanic Medical Association, they have members, their members actually creating videos to push out mm-hmm. to uh, their their communities. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, what we're doing is not only hosting this initial uh, internship for over 800 college students from, I think it's uh, 28 different um, states, uh, but wow. we're recording it. So that wow. that will be there for perpetuity, right? Yes. So we'll be able to, um, you know, of course, we know that even even during these these uh, four week, two four week sessions, information mm-hmm. has changed, and we made that right. clear that new information, you know, slowed down a little bit now. But you know, in the beginning, it was coming out like every day, oh, a couple times a day, you would get changes, right? That's right. So you know, the students understood that sometimes information we said the week before may not be true that week, but that's the nature of not only healthcare, but the nature of lifelong learning uh, and being a health provider and, you know, growing, you know, growing old actually. So, you know, and this pandemic has more than ever, hopefully, hopefully inspired our students and everybody to to become more knowledgeable about their bodies, uh, to read more, to, to become more healthy, and also to, you know, to take care of those underlying diseases that can make COVID-19 worse, like diabetes and, and high blood pressure, yes. uh, obesity, for example. So we really, um, this has been a wake-up call uh, for all of us, and we all have to take care of each other. We all have to, you know, if you see someone in a crowded environment and maybe they're not vaccinated, you know, encourage them to wear a mask. I mean, I walk to the hospital mm-hmm. all the time, you know, kind of doing this and signaling to put the mask up and, and <laughs> so forth. But I mean, you know, it's like you feel the love, right? You mm-hmm. want to protect, uh, you yeah. want to protect people. But to answer your question, we do have um, the videos. And as Dr. Morales said, um, we're hoping, I hope that the, the uh, at least our, our department, New York City Department of Health, uh, will be able to utilize uh, our social media messages created by our students to, mm-hmm. to push those out uh, to the community. Yeah, I mean, at Cornell, we we actually did one of our first tra- community trainings around COVID vaccination and sort of uh, info sessions 
back in January, Martin Luther King Day, not that long after the, um, the vaccines came out. Um, and so I think a lot of institutions have been trying to get the messaging out in terms of inf just information. And of course, many, many, many of us have been doing community um, events with, um, with CBOs, you know, community-based organizations, with churches and houses of worship. You know, I've done many, 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 many of these um, myself and, in, you know, in multiple languages. So I think that, you know, I think there's, there's what mm. I, I believe that there needs to be at this point, a kind of retail approach, you know, that not one size fits all. Certainly in the office today, I had a long conversation with a patient's daughter about why her little, very elderly, demented mom why I thought it was really important for mom to get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And I was able, and she was able to, and she had all the usual questions that people have, including the chip, you know, is there a chip? Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, people have a lot of questions and this is a very smart lady, but it's just, she was nervous. She wants to protect mom. So I understand it. So I think, you know, in the office with, the, with your doctor is one space in community settings is another space where people need to, um, you know, providers need to go out. And I think a lot of providers, especially providers of color have been on the ground doing yeah. that, mm -hmm. explaining, teaching, and then, uh, you know, providing information, answering questions, and frequently administering vaccines also, because that also helps with the confidence. Um, and then also um, mobilizing other community members to reach out in person, but then also in social media. So all of, I think it's, it's not one method. It has to be a lot of different approaches because everybody has a different issue. Um, mm. You know, and there's not, everybody has a different kind of question, but the one, the one unifying theme is we have a crisis of trust. You know, it's just the reasons that people distrust yes. um, vary. Right. And you're talking wow. medicine, right? From the everything medicine, from the government, government the medicine, you know, the scientific just, community. It's such a divisive time. And then also, I think we have, um, you know, we don't have adequate scientific instruction for our society, in my opinion. That's why this whole way that, like Dr. Holden was saying, that the information changes all the time, that drives people crazy, crazy. you know, because it makes you people feel like, you know, these people don't know what they're doing, mm -hmm. even though, I mean, the messaging and the planning of a lot of it hasn't been perfect, but some of it really is that it's changing. It is changing very fast because we, it's like the whole world has been learning simultaneously yes. about a new virus. And then the whole world had to learn simultaneously about new vaccines. It's, it is really challenging to keep up with all of the new discoveries but part of it is that you have like thousands of scientists and doctors around the world that are uncovering new information and then trying to get it out to the public and as things evolve you got you know there have to be some changes and recommendations but for when you're just trying to like live your life as a regular person mm -hmm. it's maddening yes um so it's really important for for trusted people to be able to kind of organize it distill it and um, and make it um, accessible for the public. And I think that has the opposite ripple effect of the misinformation, because I, I could tell you firsthand, there are numerous conversations that I would just overhear uh, from friends or 
uh, just being in an area where I'm listening to other people like my sister's friends talking about uh, the vaccination and why they think that they shouldn't get it to have the information to be able to combat every single one of the the not I shouldn't say combat, but rather provide evidence for why that claim is actually a misconception, um, I think was really important. And then it was a, a, a group of more than one person that I overheard the conversation with. So when I, when I jumped on their Zoom call and spoke to them, you know, uh, it, it felt like that was the kind that that was why I felt this approach was so different. And I feel like that and uh, the fact that most healthcare providers in my age range uh, uploaded photos of themselves getting vaccinated right after getting vaccinated when they were the first to get vaccinated to show that they themselves who know the science are are putting the trust in the system and leading by example. I think a lot of people criticize that. But to me, I think that was one of the most effective campaigns. And the, this other campaign that, that you launched, I thought it was genius because the age groups and the communities that were mm -hmm. least likely to get vaccinated based on the data that we had back then, um, you know, because we, we have fixed a lot of those areas as vaccines became more available to, to younger people. We saw that people start are starting to now get vaccinated and the, the lag isn't as crazy as it was, um, you know, even three weeks ago. Uh, mm -hmm. But there was a lot of hesitation in that group from 18 to 39. Uh, and this was before we, uh, the, the uh, vaccine was approved for, for younger than 18. Um, but, but at the time that those groups were lagging behind significantly and to have people from the groups and from the racial groups explaining to other people from the same groups, I think that it just bolstered trust and it made it so that even though it doesn't, you know, obviously the CDC is, is a better uh, source than myself. Uh, I feel like it's still the message carried through better uh, for You're some reason trusted. than it was delivered uh, mm -hmm. through someone that they already knew. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, he's always studying. So he must be, he must be giving us the information that he knows is true. I trust um, you, Giorgio, right? I trust you. I know you're only very because I learned from you. <laughs> and so you telling you telling Maurice Donovan Sobe, hey, I got this vaccine. You know, it is by all we know safe and very effective, right? right. That coming from you versus, you know, from on high from a government source. Um, they take my tax money. I'm not quite sure sometimes <laughs> what happens to it. I feel it's more trusted coming from you, right? Like that coming from you, yeah. credible um, individual that I know cares for me, right. right? And cares about themselves, cares about the community. That sounds way better coming from you. And, the and you got you the got vaccine, right? And you got it yourself, exactly. Yes. I, I so, mean, again, lead, you you all lead it, led by example. And uh, I followed through uh, as soon as I was able to, to, to get it. And uh, that was actually the project that I put together. Uh, so you'll see it on the, our social media. Um, uh, it was so between us, I, the rest of the people can't know this, but my sister was the one who vaccinated me. She was a, a vaccine injector. Awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a That's a secret for, from the video. But basically, um, I didn't have an appointment. I wanted to try out the New York City walk in vaccination um, once that was announced by the mayor. And uh, I, I went to the Brooklyn Army Terminal and walked in without an appointment, was in and out in an hour. 
I could tell you from having COVID and from having the vaccine, uh, COVID was definitely worse than the vaccine. The, the feeling of safety and just being alleviated from having to work as much, not to say that, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's gone, but the fact that it's 95% gone in most cases, <laughs> in most strains, uh, makes me feel significantly better. And, and that piece, I could see my father, I could see, I could see people that are at risk that I, I was worried about even, you know, being six feet away from them. Mm -hmm. um, so, the sense so, yeah. of confidence, the sense of relief. Yes. I, yeah. When I got my vaccine, cause you know, taking care of COVID patients all the time, the anxiety yes. uh, and the fear that I had. I mean, you know, I don't know about other, why other people posted it, but for me, I danced after I got my vaccine. I was so, <laughs> so relieved. And I think especially now that we know that how much, even more than we knew before, how much it protects you and protects people around you, it really is, you're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it for the people around you that, that you love. And it's so profound. You know, 90, I, I think the number is 95% plus of doctors have, have received the COVID vaccine. Wow. So doctors believe in it. And I think hopefully that's helpful, but I do think it matters. You know, when somebody, you know, it's not an abstract mm -hmm. person. It's not a stranger. When somebody, you know, gets it, it does help. And then they explain their journey. That's, I think, the most important piece is explaining because not everybody was on board from day one. I mean, yes, and I, I decided I, you, yeah, you doubted it. I mean, I really wanted a vaccine, but I told the patients and I, and for myself, I was like, I'm going to do the research before I recommend anything to you. Mm -hmm. And I, then I, be, that's, that's the moment I became obsessed and so, you know, and read like 5 million articles about vaccination and how they made the COVID vaccine, the technology, and yep. the technology. And, um, and it's really, really fascinating. But, and I think that um, we're really at a breakthrough moment for vaccination, which is one of the most important, you know, life-saving things uh, in medicine yes. in history. So it's really, it's quite moving. It's pretty cool to me also. Um, I think I, I told Lynn about this, that um, two of my former residents of color um, are two of the senior scientists that worked on the Pfizer vaccine, a Haitian American woman and a Latino guy. Okay. And the Moderna vaccine, part of the trial was here at Cornell that many of my friends ran and many of my friends participated in. Um, and so um, there is something also moving about knowing the people that yes that were the scientists in the studies that I know that these are people of integrity and honesty that would you know and and I'm so just so proud of them because I do believe that they're saving millions of people's lives yes, yeah. I mean that's so profound I mean I don't take the credit for their brilliance but I'm I'm honored that I was their teacher you know yes. that kind of yeah. thing yeah. absolutely I mean you know, and what's different now um, that was, you know, that wasn't many years ago, especially with, you know, T Tuskegee, is that we have, like uh, Dr. Morales said, we have people that we know and people who know them and know their work ethic, their integrity, right there in the room. Yes. Not only in the room, you know, with the planning and the conversations, but, you know, creating uh, this vaccine and not only creating it, but but testing it and and really making sure that that, you know, 
everything is on the up and up and that, you know, it's so important that people of color are, are right there at the table and they're able to participate in the development and rollout of this, uh, of this vaccine. I mean, look, initially I was vaccine hesitant. I'll, I'll be 100% honest. Um, I let the rest of my folks in my group get the vaccine first. And I'm like, okay, they're still standing. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. They don't have no rad, no extra leg or something. But none of those urban myths are, are, are true. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, no, seriously. I mean, you, you know, really it's, the like Dr. Morales said, Giorgio said, you know, it's having that peace of mind, um, you know, practicing emergency medicine, being on the front lines, you know, not knowing, I mean, COVID-19 and this virus is something that we've never seen before. I mean, the way that it affects every organ system, essentially, the devastating effects on people who are, you know, otherwise healthy, um, you know, it's, it's tragic, it's horrific, uh, but it, it's fascinating. I mean, and, um, you know, it really, when you're in the, in the clinical setting, you have to be, you know, 100% there. You can't let your guard down. Many people have said, you know what, I let my guard down, you know, pre-vaccine, I let my guard down. That's when I got sick. And so, and sick, like really sick, like some of them didn't make it sick. So, I mean, this is the type of, of wake up call um, that, you know, as providers being on the front lines, that we that we need it and this vaccine is as everyone has said so far life-saving it yeah. really is and the data has shown that ladies and gentlemen consistently actually there's an uh, article coming out in the times today talking about the falling rates of hospitalization amongst the elderly especially in nursing homes um, we've also seen literature coming out um, we've talked about this in the New England Journal of Medicine. And actually, this is consistently health systems doing their own studies on their staff that have been vaccinated. And to the point where even if you do acquire a SARS-CoV-2 infection, right, these are individuals with very mild symptoms, uh, if any, and really almost none of them, right, a very small percentage that go on to develop severe COVID-19. And we're talking about people like Dr. Holden, like Dr. Morales, swimming in COVID, right? Taking care of COVID patients um, and, and you know, with a, a great degree of protection because of the vaccine, right? And so the it's vaccine just- And also, you know, common sense and, and following yes. the instruction, the mask, the social distancing, the hand washing, mm-hmm. uh, ventilation, you know, so it, it's a cocktail. Of, of things. I mean, it's not just the vaccine, but you, you have to do what you've been doing all along um, that you've sort of grown up to, and used to doing over the past year um, to uh, to stay safe. And and it's really important that um, people understand it. it's COVID, but it's also the ripple effects of COVID mm. and what's happening in our communities as a result of COVID. I mean, you know, children falling behind in, in education. Um, we have uh, food insecurity, homelessness, you know, relatives uh, dying and, and people being, you know, kids in, in foster care. And, you know, it's just, um, it, it's something illness, that's going to take us a while. Illness yes, yes, yes. Abuse. And that's, yes, yes. The widespread exacerbation of mm. mental illness. I mean, we talked about our anxiety. I mean, imagine, you mm. know, people who, I mean, you know, and, and this is mental health month. And we have to be, uh, as Pastor Butt says, you want to make sure you get your checkup from the neck up. 
but you have to, you know, you have to, <laughs> yeah, I like that. That, that is so away, real. Uh, because so especially now. And that's um, everybody. You know, yes, yes. I just read a study where um, out of all of the countries, I think they studied about 20 countries, um, the United States has the most, you know, admitted mental health as a result of COVID-19. Mm. Now imagine how many people don't admit it because culturally, you know, that's not quote unquote accepted. Well, we have to get out of that because, you know, not only can COVID-19 exacerbate mental illness, but just the anxiety of knowing that you're living, you know, in a world with COVID-19 and could be here today, gone tomorrow, really, you know, is, is something that a lot of people just don't, um, you know, just really drove them over the edge. Got it. I think has been, um, you know, I didn't know, Georgia, that you had been ill, and thank God you're okay. But how yes. many of our interns that participated in the program either were personally sick, had lost family members, had had family members that were sick? For a lot of our students, this was personal. And at the same time, they're going to school, trying to make it, inspired to help the, the world, inspired to be healthcare uh, workers. I mean, really, it, it's been really profound for us. Um, I mean, you know, I, I know that the students have said, you know, you're so, you all are so inspiring. Thank you so much. But the, the students do not realize how inspired we have been yes. by the mm. students um, and their, um, their fortitude and their perseverance, but also their, their desire to make a difference. So it's really been, it's a mutual love fest. That's, yes. that's how it's yeah. felt, I think, for all of us. That's what's up. And you kept us dancing and laughing the entire time. That's right. Time. That's right. <laughs> Music. Another secret of the internship. <laughs> yeah, Marie you, doesn't know you, that you, I was the DJ. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, a, okay. A, nice. A fantastic DJ at that. Yeah, uh, Dr. That's Morales. right. Um, <laughs> you know, the boogie down beats, boogie down Bronx beats. That's right. Oh, <laughs> That's oh, we were saucing and breaks. We were we were getting our, 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 our steps. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, it, was, it really it, it felt like I was with family. It, it really did. Uh, the entire experience and you know even when we broke up uh, broke out into to groups with other people from our cohort with it, it was a, a little bit more of an intimate setting where we can actually um, hear from other people what they're going through and hear their challenges and realize we're not alone. And, and I think that speaks to what you were saying also, Dr. Holden, um, that uh, people's mental health is also a very important uh, factor in how we deal with the pandemic. And one of the other uh, secondary effects uh, that, that we do have to, uh, um, you know, push our awareness towards as well. And uh, one of the things that happened in the internship that I think uh, I was most grateful for other than other than the great music and dancing and laughs, Dr. Morales. Uh, uh, we had a lot of great guests and we learned about virology. We learned about the science. Uh, we heard from the former CDC director. Um, are, are we allowed to talk about yeah, Dr. The... Tom Frieden? Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. you mean the surprise? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should we should we keep... Do, is that don't tell the surprise? All right, all right, all right, all right. You can reveal it. It's a surprise for Saturday. That's right. Okay. Oh, got it. Okay. A famous okay. person sent a video. We'll leave it at that. Yes, fair enough. <laughs> Specifically and to this group of students. That's right. We'll leave it at that. That's what's up. 
and was very motivated uh, and oh, yeah. proud of, of the work that they are doing. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe the person that popped up on the Zoom call whenever I, I saw it. I was like, am I? All right. I'm not, I'm not going to talk further about it. I, I think I'm just going to be giving off clues. Um, spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. So there was the whole uh, segment about how to listen and how to interview people and using motivational interviewing and how to actively and attentively listen to people. And I feel like I struggled with that for so long. It was such a, it took me years to try and figure it out for this program. That's really where I started to like, I, I wanted to learn how to interview people. I wanted to learn how to keep a conversation um, going and, and, you know, trying to be the best co-host that I can be for uh, uh, Dr. Selby. But uh, through that kind of journey, that's where I, I uh, started to learn some of these principles. And also one of my closest friends, uh, Rita Zied, uh, had a really rough time um, going, going through her own medical uh, issues. And they were not conditions that were treatable uh, or nor curable. And so uh, I struggled for a very long time wanting to help and that urge and drive to want to help and find a solution. Um, whenever I would listen to her and hear what she's, what she's saying, I wasn't listening to listen and absorb and be there and be present with her. By default, I wanted to find a solution to make her feel better. I wanted to be like, oh, everything's going to be okay. Uh, you know, uh, how can I help you? Uh, you know, things that, that we're, we're kind of like taught from a very young age to be polite and, um, and, and say and, and try and help in that way. And it comes from a good place. But if there is no getting better, then it actually, I feel like, has the opposite effect. And it shows that you're not really, you're not really there with me. I'm still feeling alone because you're trying to come up with things. And, and believe me, I've obsessed and thought about all the solutions, you know, like putting myself in her shoes. I would have definitely been, I would have been on Google all day long if, if I knew that I had a progressive uh, disease. I feel like this course shared that. And, and to me, that was a, a really important lesson that, that day. Um, and, and a very important takeaway so that whenever you're asking someone about their, their hesitation, you don't give them an interrogative, uh, why didn't you, why don't you want to take a vaccine, uh, or question their beliefs in a certain way, you know, it, it, it teaches you to kind of try and meet people where they're at and, mm -hmm. and listen and understand why there is this crisis of mistrust and, uh, uh, what are their specific reasons so that you can tailor your response to try and, and, and help them make the decision. You're not making it for them and, mm -hmm. and help them to, to kind of come to the place that the data is supporting and the best decision for themselves and their family members. So I really want to thank you for that. And I hope that that gets, uh, gets reproduced as well in any kind of further iterations, because I think that was, that was key to the success off the training like you can't just arm people with the right information you have to also tell them how to deliver the information and and uh i'm, I'm super appreciative of that that's great yeah we had a an amazing group that did that couple of um sessions for you all dr stella sappho 
she uh, she talked about vaccine confidence and and sort of all these different ingredients that go into people's hesitance and not being ready and uh, questions that people may have. And then Oni Blackstock and uh, Carla Boone Foster and um, Marlene Camacho Rivera, the three of them did this great um, session about how you communicate with people, you know, and the key thing, as you said, is, is really deep listening. Um, right. And, um, and not being judgmental and that it's really not about trying to, you know, like I said earlier, it's not, you can't twist people's arm. Mm-hmm. You have to hear mm-hmm. what their concerns are and that it has to be with love. I mean, I really believe yes. that that is the key to this is that, mm-hmm. you know, if people are talking to you about this, it's out of love and concern and want, and like, I, you know, one of my patients, a very beloved lady who's been really, really sick, you know, in the past, um, but she's doing better. But I was like, you know, I know I'm like, keep on talking to you about this, but cause it's just cause I want to protect you so badly, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there has to, that it's important for people to know that it's coming from, from that, that place. Yes. Right. And I, uh-huh. I think it's also important that, um, you know, these skills that you're learning now, um, you know, these are skills that you'll take with you for the rest of your life. And, mm. um, you know, that, that compassion, that empathy, that, that you're learning the ability to listen um, the ability to give reliable inf- deliver reliable information, um, you know, coming from the heart is really how, you know, we're going to save our communities from, from health disparities and health differences and, mm. and continue to um, not only combat COVID, but, you know, cancer and diabetes and mm-hmm. high blood pressure and everything else that's plaguing um, communities of uh, color and low-income communities. So, you know, this was an effort to really uh, create an army. Um, yes. to train them not only, you know, starting with COVID um, and to give you the, a toolkit, the skills in order oh, yeah. to uh, use moving forward uh, through the journey. And, you know, as we said on the last day, this isn't the end. Uh, this is the beginning of our, our very long relationship. Um, you know, the, the students who are who have participated have, you know, access and they've accomplished such amazing work um, you know, with, with the top medical schools in, in, uh, in New York City and in the world. So, you know, this is, this is the, the jumpstart of, you know, for them, you know, coming out of this pandemic, um, this is the jumpstart, this is a jumpstart for them, not yes. only psychologically, yeah. but, you know, socially, academically, and hopefully we were able to give them a boost and to let them know that, you know, yes, we are a family. And, yeah. you know, just like Maurice and, and I, Dr. Selby and I, you know, knew each other 15 years and he's seen mentoring in medicine grow and we've seen him grow. You know, it is a family affair, really. And um, all of us have in common that, you know, we care about each other and we care about our communities and we want our communities to succeed, not only survive, but survive and thrive. Thrive. That is a man word. And I think this whole stem cell approach, which is how I like to think of it, um, of, of kind of like, teaching the people to teach the people and kind of building that army of, of, of accurate information. I think that we're going to see that this is one of the more successful campaign types of the future. Mm. I think that uh, dissemination of information for this next generation and generation to come is going to start to transition from the pamphlets at the doctor's office or 
Uh, however, you know, the textbooks, the books, um, to now starting to be social media um, accessible. And I think that this is a way that the next generation is going to learn. And so we're going to see campaigns like this for other uh, disparities start to emerge. And I think, again, I, I just want to applaud you for uh, and the rest of the steering community for putting together uh, this amazing example of how you can make it happen. And speaking of love, while we're on the topic, uh, did you get funding to make this happen or was it all funded on love? <laughs> Dr. Morales, you take that one. <laughs> oh, we, we, we invented this out of a hat. I, you know, wow. I have, um, I have a diversity center of excellence grant, um, which is, which funds, um, which comes from the federal government to um, promote uh, diversity in the health workforce. And so I, you know, I felt that this was consistent with our grant. So we have a little bit of administrative support um, that came partly from there, but otherwise everybody donated their time and, um, you know, we've been doing wow. Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, just like mm -hmm. the students, like the students who are very busy people donated their time to do a 20 hour course in the middle of the semester. Um, I really give credit a lot. Most of the majority of the students are college students. So much credit. That is, you know, on top of their regular coursework, they were coming Saturday faithfully to, um, to participate in this course. But yes, we did this without funding. We would hope to maybe someday get funding, but right now, pretty much without. I will say also that, um, you know, the template was there. Mentoring and Medicine has had a community health ambassador program uh, since 2006. Um, mm -hmm. When H1N1 uh, hit, hit New York, uh, we had uh, medical students, we had college students, um, physicians and nurses out on the corners of right. 125th Harlem. Street yep. handing out pamphlets, uh, bilingual <laughs> pamphlets. Uh, when Legionnaires disease hit the Bronx, we did the same thing. So, you know, we're used to mobilizing uh, students, educating them very quickly and getting them out there on the street under supervision. So, you know, this was a little bit different, but the template um, was was the same um, in the sense of, you know, just mobilizing, um, you know, uh, warriors uh, to, to come out and to learn and to go out and, and give that information, give out reliable information. So. I was just so happy that, you know, Dr. Morales said, okay, um, you know, let's do it. So, <laughs> yes, we, you know, I think that the virtual aspect, you know, with such a big group, we were like, can we really pull this off? But I think that's what we've learned is that you can pull it off, that it can feel intimate, you know, mm -hmm. um, despite having hundreds of participants and um, intimate, you know, in terms of just feeling the warmth and feeling mm. the, the sense of community. Um, so that I do think, you know, what we've been talking about is that as a model going forward to be able to mobilize in a different way, um, you know, that it's, it's a useful model. But the other thing I think that I've learned from the students and also from talking to patients and community members is the genius, you know, including the questions that people have, like, Frequently, oh people will have questions that I didn't know the answer. I had to go and look it up and learn mm -hmm. and think. You know, I think our communities and our young people have are brilliant, and um, the questions are legitimate questions that people have, and yes. that it's our job. You know, they put us through school for a reason to get the mm -hmm. answers for them, so that they could feel comfortable and understand, and hopefully, 
um, you know, be able to make the right decisions for themselves. But, you know, Georgia, you mentioned that your friend that you, you wanted to desperately to find a solution for your friend. And I think that is to your, you know, to your credit. I know you feel like maybe you should have been a better listener, but it is a beautiful thing to want to, to make a difference. That's what you were trying to do for your friend. And I think that's what you were trying to do as an intern in the program. That's what, we've, that's what we're all trying to do, make a difference. Amen. Amen. And thank, thank you for empowering us to do so, because I, I definitely felt empowered after uh, the internship. And I felt a lot more confident relaying information because I heard it for, for weeks in, in different ways, not only from Mo, but also from the, the guest speakers and uh, uh, yourselves, uh, Dr. Morales and Dr. Holden. So uh, I think your experience and just the, the way that you approached it, it was very scholarly, but didn't feel uptight and academic. It felt, again, very, very warm. And, and uh, I felt like I was uh, amongst family members and, and uh, the, the respect and was, was definitely still there and everything in the same sense. But it didn't feel like you were uh, unattained, like, like that, that you were unapproachable, rather. It exactly. felt like you were, you, were, you were right there with us. And uh, you've responded to all my emails, which again, I can't even imagine how you have the time to do that. But uh, uh, you're both honestly godsend. I don't, I don't know, I, it's an inspiration for, for uh, me to look forward to and, and push to work harder, honestly, uh, for my students. And uh, as I move forward as well. Um, and, and so uh, while we're on this uh, topic of, of um, kind of the outcomes uh, from this and, and all of the positivity that came from going through this internship, I'm wondering if there's any kind of design aspect that you implemented in the internship to be able to kind of collect data uh, for a future grant or to measure efficacy or anything like that, because I know that you're also researchers on, on top of being uh, uh, medical clinicians and, and uh, serving in an in a academic uh, role. Um, I, I was wondering if there was some kind of, of measurements that were taken to kind of see the outcomes. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, this is uh, interesting. As, as we mentioned, uh, all of, all of uh, COVID-19 and this past year plus, has been um, learning, super learning, a time of super learning. Right. And so we definitely said, you know what, we're gonna do this uh, internship, but we wanna know information from our students. So it's sort of that not me without me. Uh, so even before we started, when one applied, they had to uh, write an essay about why they wanted to uh, participate in the internship. They also had to write down anything they, they wanted to learn uh, because we wanted to make sure that we are covering information that the participants wanted and expected to learn. And um, they also were allowed to ask us any questions. So we had all of this information before we even really started to, um, you know, add on to the base of the curriculum that we, that we started. And uh, we had a pre-test and a post-test. Uh, we had constant, I think we had a mid-survey and a post-survey, uh, post-internship survey. Um, we have so many data points that we, um, we have gathered. It's now a matter mm. of putting the information together. And I think we counted that at least we have, you know, three, four papers out of this, um, out wow. of this uh, internship. And then carrying it on is that the Morales said to replication. 
dissemination mm -hmm. and replication. Yes. So those are other aspects that we can uh, study the implications of. Uh, while the numbers, thankfully, are going down when it comes to COVID, uh, you know, we have to be prepared. Uh, we have to be prepared for the fall, for the winter. Sure. And, um, you know, this is something that's not going away. Um, mm -hmm. just like the flu has not gone away. I mean, essentially it's gone away because we're all wearing masks, but you know, it's still around. Right. And, um, yeah. you know, the United States is really in a unique position because we have so many people who are walking around with, you know, immunocompromised, compromised immune systems. And so, you know, we have to remember to protect, you know, people who have normal immune systems, people who have compromised immune systems, um, and we have to remember that we have to be vigilant uh, when it comes to uh, to COVID. So this information that we've gotten um, is is just a tremendous uh, treasure trove of information that that mm. uh, we will be putting together and putting out there for the world to see that yes, this can be done, um, and yeah. um, you know it can make a difference. And and so that's where we are right now. The students um, in the their applications to the program wrote really heartfelt and quite profound um, messages to us in terms of why they wanted to do this, why they wanted to learn, um, including, you know, there, I remember one young woman wrote about, you know, um, I have my, I have concerns about this. I want to learn about it so that I can make my own decision, you know, and I want to be able to help other people. So, um, and then a lot of those personal experiences that I mentioned that definitely motivated a large group. I mean, everyone, of course, has been deeply impacted. There's no one in the world that isn't. But um, I think I think these two, you know, the students that participated in this internship went, went kind of next level in terms of both their, the, the impact and the the really deep way that they were thinking about the, the problems. And and so, Dr. Morales, um, moving forward, do you think that uh, this could be replicated in different languages as well? Or do you think that that would require mm. additional planning? Uh, because you did mention that you gave your presentations, I'm assuming in Spanish as well. Yeah, um, good question. I hadn't thought about that, but I don't see why. I mean, certainly for COVID education, we've been, you know, we've been doing it in Spanish and English and uh, Haitian Creole and um, we were mm -hmm. in Arabic, et cetera. Um, but, um, you know, what was interesting about the participants in this program is they were the, the 28 states, Puerto Rico and DC, but also several other countries. You know, mm -hmm. last weekend we had somebody that was listening in from Rwanda, from Nigeria, oh, wow. from Macedonia. I mean, they all spoke English, but still it was just, it was pretty deep. Yeah. So, um, but I, you know, obviously the majority of the world doesn't speak English and uh, Latin America is being hard hit. It's an interesting idea, actually, of what, mm -hmm. what to do. And certainly we have colleagues, and, and certainly Latin America right now is being hit hard. But, um, but certainly, you know, many, there are many um, young people in, in the States that are not completely fluent in, um, in English yet, if they're recent immigrants. Um, so that might be another consideration. Um, here in New York City, you know, we have international high schools. My, my actually, my sister-in-law runs uh, the one in the Bronx that's for new immigrants. That might be an interesting person for you to interview in the future. Yeah, um, yeah there's, there's, there are several high schools in New York that are for new immigrant young people, really? and um, uh, really, really cool the way that they uh, 
you know, accommodate the language needs, but also the cultural needs and the religious needs and everything else. Um, wow. Yeah. So we hadn't thought about that, but why not? Why not? Idea. I've, I've, you've come this I, far I, in establishing this and, and empowering the community, sort of building this resilience. I think I know it's a lot, but taking it to the next level. Yeah, no, it's a good idea, especially in New York City. Yeah, yeah I actually think that on the uh, application, we did ask what other languages do you speak? Um, mm -hmm. So it may not be such a heavy lift. Um, you know, once we have that baseline data, if we know that, you know, students who have been through this speak are multilingual. Uh, mm -hmm, which we right. know our students are, um, you know, it may not be such a heavy lift. So thank you. Definitely the projects that they did, several, a bunch of them did um, bilingual projects, mm -hmm. oh, um, wow. especially Spanish. Yeah. Infographics in Spanish, lots yeah. of things like that. See, they, they already thought of it. I am. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of they the actual, but, uh, but in terms of the, actually the, um, the instruction component. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that I hadn't really thought about but mm. why not i think it would be right. very interesting and you know i think it's a way to just also disseminate the information to our colleagues and communities abroad yes. so Absolutely. yeah yeah Absolutely. so how do we um i guess as we begin to wrap up for the individual that's listening that right has the same passion as the members in the cohort that want to make a difference, even if it's just getting good information out there to live, right, to empower their community, to live happy, healthy lives, to just consider, even just consider the vaccine, how would they get involved with the program and what advice or tips do you have for them um, as they go on sort of empowering those around them? So we definitely are going to, uh, to make this information available so they can asynchronously um, go through the, uh, the lectures and, um, you know, our information is there to, uh, to ask us questions. Again, we are um, really heavily considering uh, creating, a, um, creating a summer cohort, um, especially addressing uh, those teens and um, those new, um, you know, the new age groups that are, are able to, uh, to get the vaccine and mm -hmm. also, you know, going back to school, going from, you know, virtual learning to in-person learning. Uh, there are a lot of social and emotional uh, skills that have to be uh, revived, yeah, so to speak, and learned. Uh, so um, yeah, that's, that's something that we've been really talking about, um, you know, a, a new cohort for the summer. So I would just say for those who are interested, um, you can definitely um, contact, uh, you know, me at mentoring and medicine info at medicalmentor.org, uh, info at medicalmentor.org, um, Dr. Morales's, uh, website for her center. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll be posting that'll house the information and any new, um, internships that will be, uh, coming around. And we'll definitely post that information, ladies and gentlemen, in our show notes so that it would be we're going to make it available, right? We're going to put it there. We have, for you we to, have to, we have to. It's a commitment yes. we have. That's right. That's right. Spread the good We're, news. And we will have a hashtag, but we don't have it yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, but our, but it'll be based on the genius of your cohort that yep. like came up with like a hundred different options in like three seconds. I don't know how you're going to pick between them. Yeah. It's it, very yeah. hard. It's, 
And I'm they not a hashtag person, so I would put it on them. <laughs> <laughs> They're so smart. That's what I'm saying. They're, young people are much smarter. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. You all are just very modest, but um, uh, we, yeah, it was like a matter of a minute, and there were like hundreds of different responses of of, of hashtags, and they were all great. I don't know how you're gonna pick to choose between them. Crazy, uh, crazy creative. Yeah. I mean, wow, mind blowing <laughs> yeah. creative. There was like some compound words, some provax, like hashtag provaxers. There was a lot of them that were just catchy. I was like, I like that. <laughs> I am a, I am a provaxer. You know, like. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I do love right. that. We're going to own it. <laughs> exactly. Amen. Um, so do you have one last takeaway that you would want someone listening in the audience, either someone who was a participant, potential participant for the future or someone who has money to be able to um, help, you know, contribute to the grants, um, someone who would like to organize something similar you know, what, what would you want them to take away or a community leader? That was a really broad question, but um, yeah. I think one important takeaway is uh, not to underestimate um, our next generation and um, not only don't underestimate them, but invest in them and, um, mm. you know, encourage them and love them. Um, there was a teacher who trained quite a few, uh, you know, quote unquote, superstars in sports and uh, she was being interviewed, I believe, by NPR, and um, the the reporter from NPR said, "You know what? What is your secret? How are you able to turn out so many so many superstars? I mean, you one one teacher. How were mm -hmm. you able to do that?" And she said, "You know, it's simple. I just love them, and love <laughs> is you know what we're trying to spread, right, Dr. Morales? We're trying to spread yeah. the love that we have and the passion that we have, you know, every day." and trying to you know, spread that not only to you know, our future generation of biomedical professionals, but you know, to our communities and you know, teach by doing. Um, so that's what I would say, you know, just, just don't give up on our, our next generation, encourage them, love them, invest in them. Um, and um, you know, we're, we're gonna turn out okay. It's gonna be great, they're gonna be great. I think you know, it's, it's been a dark time this, this year. And this has been a, you know, a ray of light, this mm -hmm. whole experience, mm -hmm. collaborating with my friends to do something creative, Lynn Holden, and also, you know, Dr. Butts from Mount Sinai and Dr. Um, Ravenel from NYU and Carla Boone Foster from Downstate and Joe Osborne at, at Cornell with me, and Hilda Hutcherson mm -hmm. from Columbia. Um, we really have had, you know, great people that we've been collaborating. I hope I did. did I leave anybody out? I don't think so. No, you got and, everybody. And, um, but the, the ray of sunshine has also been um, the young people that, that have participated and just, um, I agree with you, Lynn, that, that the students have been incredibly inspiring. So I just think that if we can all stay, I think it's, a, it's really a, a, a metaphor, really for how we need to be as a community, stick together take care of each other learn together and dance intermittently yes <laughs> i think you, you said love one another too right just love and love one another absolutely yep. always about love that's all right feel the love right okay. yes. amen amen to that and we definitely did and and uh we, we're feeling it right now you guys can't see us but uh 
We have we have smiles from cheek to cheek, all four of us right now. Yeah. So uh, And I'm sure the listeners, you can uh, feel it too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Definitely some, some reasons to be hopeful. Um, as Dr. Morales and Dr. Holden said. Definitely, you know, reasons for hope. And really it's like we said, it's all of us, right, in this together, um, going through this. So yeah. I'm I'm hopeful now. <laughs> well, always been, but definitely. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. make it. Gonna make we it. are, we are, we are. I just want to thank you for having uh, Dr. Morales and I on the uh, on the show. And um, you know, I, I know this is what uh, Miss Thomas wanted all of this to be about. You know, really uh, continuing every week to to remind the community about people that care for them and love them and want them to succeed. And as we said before, not only survive but to thrive. Yes, she was a thriving soul. Uh, so I just want. Um, you know, want to thank you for this reunion, um, yes. Dr. Selby, and allowing me to uh, to bring my dear friend, Dr. Morales, friend, colleague, uh, troublemaker, DJ. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's really an honor. It's an honor for us to be with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> the thank honor and pleasure was, was ours. And, and the listening audience. So thank you so much for, for uh, joining us. Um, hopefully we'll we'll be in the Harlem studio again soon. Um, Mo, I don't know and if you're going to no be coming back yeah. for us. But yeah, exactly. Just till next time. Yes. Um, and, and we're looking forward to the next time. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for, uh, for tuning in to today's episode and joining us. And this show, just like every other show, is dedicated to the uh, memory of Miss Gloria Thomas. Harlem, take care of yourselves.